Hi, I'm Darcy Bembick, and you're listening to Outside a Thread. Uh, this week, I'm joined by Mon Barton. <laughs> hey. Hi, Mon. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, yeah, so I guess I'd just like to start by getting you to tell me a little bit about yourself, your age, and what you do. Um, yeah, I always find this is like the weirdest question. It's like that fine line between me and like, you, sometimes you kind of feel like a bit of a wanker being like, oh, I do like all these things within me. Like, I don't want to undersell myself. Um, so I guess in short, um, I do marketing um, for multiple different brands. Um, I do some modeling. Uh, I guess I'm now an influencer, which is also weird to say. Um, so I do some content creation and I'm also, I love food. So I'm in the midst of starting my business, which is called Naked Hungry. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. And so you're doing all these things and I guess initially you started from marketing. Did you have a background in studying that? No, I actually never went to university. Um, how I got into marketing was weirdly through writing so I dropped out of high school um just uh so I did year 11 didn't do year 12 and I just went straight into hospitality I actually was a hair and makeup artist by trade but I just stopped my business because I wasn't into it um so I was in the hospital for ages and then when I was living in Byron I was just like write like filling journals with like poetry and I was just like oh yeah this is what I did in my bedroom and my mom of course like my biggest fan was like you have to write a book you have to write a book and I was like mom no like you're the only person that would read my book anyway I ended up publishing a book and everyone was like wait aren't you like my barista like I didn't know you that you wrote so I just ended up getting heaps of freelance work through that and then a brand like hit me up and was like we think you have what it takes to like be on our marketing team. Do you want to do that? And I was like, yeah. So I guess it was just through being given an opportunity and I just took it. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. And so you released a book. So was that poetry mm. and writings? Or? Yeah. Yeah. So it was like prose and poetry. Um, and it was like, I guess, collective poems from like four years of writing from traveling and stuff. So, yeah. Amazing. And I guess, so you were saying as well that you're an influencer. Um, mm. At that time, did you, what kind of platform did you have in regards to Instagram or whatever yeah. social media? You yeah, were just had Instagram. I only had like a thousand followers, I think. I had like a separate um, Instagram for my poetry. And I guess it was just really, it was community led. Like I, because I was managing this venue that I was um, working at like a cafe, I just, the community I had there were so solid in like creativity and just supporting people in that realm. And just knowing that, like, I kind of guess like everyone's trying to do their hustle, which is like, you know, their side projects, but then everyone's got like a full-time job so that they can fund it. Um, so it was Instagram, but mainly just community. And then, yeah, people helping me to promote it. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. It's amazing to hear that you got your start kind of like, doing prose and poetry because I guess mm. looking at you now for me like I've met you individually but I assume that it was primarily like social media that you got this start with yeah. um yeah it's also really interesting to hear you I guess touch on the community aspect because for me as well like I am an Instagram lover but also <laughs> someone who has a complex relationship with it and recently has realized that maybe it's not the most important thing and realized where I actually draw the most strength is, is from my individual connections. Um, mm. You know, Byron obviously has an amazing culture as well, but I think Melbourne as a city, like the community here is incredible. And it actually, um, for all the optics and these kind of things, I think there's like a really thrumming and a lot of support in this city. Oh, it's insane. When I moved to Melbourne after Byron, 
I was like blown away. Like, don't get me wrong. Byron was honestly like life-changing, but coming here, I was like, okay, no, this is creative community. Like this, this is a whole nother level of like your, your community supporting you and being like, whoa, you're doing that. That's cool. You know, whereas sometimes, I mean, I, I feel like because Byron is so small, there are a lot of people doing the same thing. And so it can feel not competitive, but it can just feel like it's hard for everyone to support each other because we're all doing the same thing. And also the the stand, like to live there, it's so expensive. So like no one has like money to, to support each other. You all support each other by like going to your opening nights and all that stuff and sharing. But there's like, there's another level here where people are like, okay, like I really appreciate what you're doing. I want to put money into it and it comes back. And they're just being this really nice, um, like, not like transactional it's just it's just like it's just nice i guess like symbiotic maybe yes yeah yeah yeah. and like even if it's energetic like you it's all very um reciprocal and yeah and just the culture it it blew my mind when i when i moved to melbourne i was like okay wow like this is a creative community yeah totally and i think for me as well like i actually moved here from canberra after doing Mm -hmm. my undergraduate and i think um in those cities it's amazing and there's so much support but you do kind of feel this kind of i don't know if that's the reason maybe you move from by and like feeling some kind of limitation or ceiling in what you can achieve yeah in the area um and yeah i think you know in melbourne yeah there's definitely this sense of like opportunity in the air yeah Yeah. Yeah. which is beautiful yeah yeah, yeah, amazing. So you said at the moment, like you're obviously doing marketing, content creation, working across a couple of different brands. Yeah. Um, which do you think, do you think uh, marketing or content creation is more occupying your time? Oh, honestly, like right now, my, I just like to be very honest, I feel like I'm sprinting through my life and I've got like a million pies and all my fingers are in these pies and they're all half cooked. And I'm just like, I need a big <laughs> fucking oven. Like this is wild. Um marketing I would it's weird marketing's like my full-time job but so is like content creation like I think we really underestimate how much work it takes to like make a nice photo yes (laughs) you know like it actually is work and I and like don't get me wrong I used to be one of those people that'd be like influencer like oh like how hard can it be you get free shit and you get to post nice pictures it's like hun when you've got like an actual job and you're trying to start your business and like someone has given you product and they're paying you and they're like, Hey, like I need deliverables. I need this. Like, and you also like have to make sure that it's posted on time and it fits your feed and the, your audience is going to connect with it. It's like, that takes a lot of thought and effort. So I would say it's content creation is kind of up there with my other full-time job yeah yeah definitely Mm. and i think this is something about content creation that people always say because i think for people who are observing it's really easy for you to recognize a beautiful image but to Mm. create one is a whole different realm and like yeah i guess the reason that i wanted to get you on the show as well is like i you know i pride myself on having great taste but my instagram presence like your instagram presence i'm just blown away by it because i think the content that you create is incredible and also Yeah, I guess I wanted to touch on the time input because the way that I guess like the genius of your content is that you make it look so easy. (laughs) Um, And that's how, because it's relatable and it's Mm. very, um, yeah, it's relatable. And Mm. that's why I've seen like, I don't know, I guess looking at your Instagram the other day, I realized that you might have even been shadow banned. Oh, yeah. um, Yeah. yeah, So you're shadow banned, yet your account's seen like a massive amount of growth in the Mm. past year, which is just a testament to like you're creating content at such a high level also across a really different range of things, whether it's landscapes, images of you or images of food. So I think like 
that's something to be proud of for sure. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's wild. I'm definitely shadow. I've been shadow banned for ages and I'm probably, I'm very close to being disabled. Uh, I'm yeah. a threat to the community. I say that in quotation marks. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that's the thing, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. Just hearing that and like how you've been able to overcome like the algorithm kind of working mm. against you in a way. And it's, yeah. So once again, like just a testament to the great taste, but Thank you. Um, yeah. So I guess like getting you on here, I feel like something that a lot of people are interested in or like a lot of people aspire to who maybe listen to this show is the idea of content creation. Mm. Um, in like getting that started, I guess we've discussed the time input, which is significant. Um, is there like a financial input to that? And also like, I guess not just financial input, but like elements of maybe financial exploitation, things like mm. that um, with brands approaching you and like expecting, because I guess you see online, there's a lot of products that get sent, but there's obviously not a lot of upfront discussion about the financials yes. of things. Yes. So I'm just going to, I'm going to explain exactly how it happens. I find that I just like being really transparent about it. I've got nothing to hide, I guess also because being, becoming an influencer was genuinely by accident. I did, I never strove to do that. I didn't, I don't actually even really, I don't want to be a full-time influencer or a model. It's something that's organically happened. It's helping me pay my bills. Why wouldn't I leverage a platform that can help me as well? Um, but basically what happens is you will get contacted by brands and in equal parts, you will, there'll be a brand that, you know, has a lot of budget. They have a lot of money, but of course, a lot of people will try and cut corners where possible. Great. When you get contacted by the brands, they will usually all like some are great and will straight up be like, what are your rates? Would love to work with you. Uh, most will be like, what? Can, can we do a gifted collab? Great. If you want that product. However, for me, where, where my line is and where it's always been with Instagram has been, you know, as I started getting bigger, the integrity of encouraging people to consume something needs to be really solid. Like I'm not going to promote a brand or a business that I wouldn't spend money at anyway. Maybe I've never heard of them and they bring it to my attention and I'm like, oh, wow. And then I try their product and I go, yeah, absolutely. Like if I ran out, I'd buy another bottle or whatever. So for me, um, I think like the integrity of a brand being like, hey, like we want to give you this, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, like it's not worth it for me. It's not worth me taking this free product that's just going to collect dust and make other people buy it when I don't believe in it. Um, also another thing is like clothes and skincare and all that stuff. Like it doesn't pay bills. It's not going to pay you rent. Um, and we get really caught up in that, like, oh my God, I've got to have all the pretty things. And I think that's where a lot of brands can, um, exploit or manipulate influencers, especially people that are starting and they really want to get there and grow their following and get exposure. I think, you know, don't get me wrong at the start, I did a lot of free work. I took a lot of products and, you know, and I thought it was great. And then you realize I can't eat a jumper. Like yeah, a jumper is yeah. not going to pay my rent. Like I just, yeah. Yeah, precisely. And I guess, yeah, that's really interesting. The element of that. And I think it's also like people, I guess a lot of my friends or especially when I moved to Melbourne, I kind of had this intoxication with the idea of like Instagram and all these mm. things because it's very connected with um, 
also like a privilege or a kind of clout in Melbourne that gets you attention and makes you feel good about yourself. Um, mm. And it's interesting, like speaking to friends, because obviously I'm a bit younger at 23. And so I didn't get to ask how old you are as well. I'm, I'll be 27 in August. 27 yeah. this year. Um, and yeah, so speaking to friends who are a bit older and have been in the industry for a bit longer, either influencing or styling or whatever mm. they're doing, they go, they just looked at me and they go, geez, like if you're influencing, you want to be doing it for a reason. Yes. Because yeah, I think... Um, there's at least for me I've had a realization about this kind of just like chasing this kind of material success is Mm. always going to be incredibly hollow Mm. um and yeah I think yeah that's what I like about you because you seem to have a strong relationship with Instagram because Mm. it's more of a means to an end with you and also knowing you personally I think you were discussing how it was an accident for you to be an influencer Mm. um and particularly like with Naked Hungry, which is like your food Instagram and these kind of things. When I met you, I was, as someone who really enjoys beautiful things as well, I was struck by your taste mm-hmm. in your room and also the fact that you cook for pleasure and this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So there's a big difference between like your presence online. Well, for a lot of people, their presence online and their presence in person. And for yep. me, I feel like your account is more of an extension of yourself, which allows you to maybe be a bit stronger mm. in like resisting being economized or taken yes. advantage of by brands. Thank you. That's actually a huge compliment. And I actually, it's so nice to hear when people do say like, oh, like I, I love your presence online. You, it feels really real. It's, it's because I don't want to compromise. I don't want, like, I've never felt like compromising my um, honesty for followers makes no sense for me yeah I'm, it's not that important to me and I would so much rather be able to post whatever I want which I do than feel like oh my god I can't do that because I'll lose followers like there are people and I, I respect the grind but for me I'm going to post on my story at 4am if I'm out and yeah. having fun I will <laughs> I don't care what people know what I'm doing or what I'm up to it's not their business I don't really care what they think and I will post videos of me eating Maccas because I love Maccas. Like, <laughs> like there's, I, I am definitely, I like to cover all sides of the spectrum because that is life. And I think it, that just feels so much more, um, like people connect with it more because it is real. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think, yeah, that's a really beautiful thing and almost gives you like a more holistic Instagram, which is, <laughs> you know, it's funny because people are striving for this thing, but in like almost an oxymoronic way, like you're so real and it, it comes across because I think, yeah, hearing with you, like speaking with you, one of my, one of the things I was interested, I guess, to discuss with you, because you say how real your Instagram presence is. And obviously it's a reflection of what it is for you is like, I, I wanted to ask whether you think it comes like with other people does it come across as because I personally speaking with you I'm like I don't really think people can hide it when their Instagram is fake because if someone's an influencer it's just like a different feel like Mm. everything just seems very highly Mm. produced and also with brands there's just like it is so endemic to our current culture that people are just promoting stuff just for the sake of it and literally feeding consumerism which Mm. is very different to what you're doing because with your brands I think it's also a testament to like you're business minded in the sense that you've you've connected and you've almost partnered with a couple of different brands that you really support, which mm. is like Hire the Label, um, Crystal Dean's, yep. My Libido. And these yep. are brands that like are really good quality as well as have a strong ethos because mm. for me, my background is in fashion and I mm. understand it. Um, yeah. 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 hundred percent. I, I think that there, you can tell when an influencer is, I feel being inauthentic. For example, when they got sent a lip gloss one week and they're like, this is, I love it. I've been using it forever. And then the next week they got a new lip 
gloss and they're like i have been using these for months you're like wait uh, wait 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 wait. like this is not again <laughs> sometimes i feel like instagram can feel like one big infomercial i'm like wait weren't we all like watching them at 2am being like lol who's gonna buy this like sham wow like we all know it doesn't work <laughs> and it's like sometimes that's what instagram can feel like and i don't want people to come to my page and feel that way yeah you exactly know? yeah and i guess it's funny to hear you talk about the sham wow as well <laughs> because it, that is the new shift in the media because yeah. people aren't watching tv anymore and exactly. now it's happening through instagram exactly yeah yeah it's just yeah i think it's hard too because also I, yeah, I share discount codes. I do that. And part of me is like, oh, does that sound really salesy? But it's like, you know what? Like that is, people aren't stupid. They come on my page and they know that like I get paid for things. But at the same end, my community also know that the the same products that I am promoting or I'm giving discount codes are the same products that I partner with and that I promote and that I spend money at. So yeah, it is definitely you constantly. Try, well, I'm constantly checking myself on Instagram, being like, "Oh, is this too salesy? Are people still connecting with this content? Am I feeling good about sharing this?" And then also sitting back and being like, "Why the fuck do I care? You know, like, why do I actually care about all this?" Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. At the end of the day, it is because yeah, it's not about how other people perceive you. Well, obviously your your followers for a long time and your community are gonna recognize that one, you have to make a living. And also mm. after following you for a while, they understand that you are earnest with the brands that you endorse. Mm. So mm. yeah, it's a beautiful thing. And I guess it's a testament to yeah. the growth once again. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, beautiful. So I guess I just wanted to shift tax a little bit. Um, Mm. And so I guess a big part of Outside of Thread for me, um, this show is like exploring all the, all the different elements that led someone to the position that they're in. Um, And a big side of that is exploring privilege, which is Mm. not just money. It's a many sided coin. Mm. Um, And yeah, so I guess I just wanted to get an idea of like, first of all, your upbringing, where you grew up, what it was like um, and what the family values were like. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in Ocean Grove in Geelong um, on the coast. I have two, uh, two siblings, um, an older brother and older sister, so I'm the youngest. Um, my parents have always been together, very loved up, um, taught us some incredible values. Um, of course, when we were young, like, it sucked. We were like, oh, our friends don't have to do this or, like, how come our family has to do this? And now I'm like, wow, this, that was some solid lessons. Um, for me, I had a, I found growing up, uh, in Geelong quite difficult. Um, I experienced a lot of bullying in high school. Um, I had quite a, uh, life-changing experience that happened to me in high school, which I've currently just, um, spoken about for the first time in like 11 years on a documentary series, which is exciting. She's coming out. Um, I won't delve into that too much, but basically that led me to drop out of high school. Um, but yeah, I think my family, we were, we were brought up as a team. It was always the Barton team and we would have (laughs) weekly discussions around the dinner table about who wasn't pulling their weight on the team. And if you weren't, you would get kicked off the team, which meant, you know, you had to cook your own dinner and wash your own clothes and find your way to school. And so, and it was, that included my parents, you know, like if dad wasn't pulling his weight, like, well, you're cooking your own food. And that set us up to be really, 
just team players. You know, I never, honestly, I never, I've never gotten a job. I've never not gotten a job that I've applied for because I think my, my parents and my family taught us how to think about everyone else and how your decisions and your actions in the team will affect everyone else. Um, but yeah, privilege, like, um, we definitely were not the most well-off family. Um, my mum is from Mauritius and she migrated when she was, I think, five or six with her family. She's from a really big family. Um, and my dad is white Australian, I guess. Um, both came from, you know, not well-off families at all. But them as a team, they always they always provided us what we needed. And the biggest lesson that they ever taught us, and mum used to always say it, she'd say, we might not be rich in money, but we're rich in love. And that's what our family always had amongst everything. Um, but don't, like, I mean, I guess I feel if you're born in Australia, um, it's very easy to be privileged. Yeah. You know, we, we are, we, we have the opportunity to, to literally do what we want. We can love whoever we want. We get to marry who we want. We get to go to uni if we like to study and, um, we can, you know, in, at any given moment, I can be like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to go apply for that job. So I'm always aware that uh, where I'm at and every opportunity that I get to take is because of my privilege. Yeah, definitely. And that's that's such a beautiful thing, particularly about your family support, because I feel like I can definitely see that emotional support in you, both both just from your beautiful relationship on Instagram with your mother, <laughs> but particularly, like, I think the person you are now, like, you're very confident and clearly a hard worker which is yeah it's that's a beautiful thing and what an amazing way to be raised (laughs) with your parents like that like yeah yeah I like that being real because yeah it's the same I was from a pretty similar background in the sense Mm. of like having a dad who pushed pretty hard and Mm. like there was no um escaping that and yeah Yeah. it's it's funny looking back at those things where at the time you're like fuck but now yeah yeah. like this sucks what do you mean team it's like I'm in grade six like why am I cooking my own dinner it's like well because you didn't you didn't pull your weight yeah. And then you're just like, whoa, true. And it just made you always want to be on the team. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Um, yeah. And I guess like also, so the next element I was looking at is, I guess, what I would describe as like a, like a sense of cultural privilege. So with, well, it seems like your creative desires and support and pursuits are really supported by your family. Um, mm. But you were saying you had some issues with high school and bullying. Mm. Were you... Were you creative from an early point with your poetry and stuff like that? And how was that supported by your peers? Mm. Well, actually, funny story. When I was in, I think, primary school, I just used to always say, I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to be a lawyer. And dad, <laughs> my dad was just like, ping. Like, my parents never went to university or anything. And so he was just like, oh, my God, I'm going to have a successful daughter. And, you know, she's probably going to go on a path that me and my wife never went on. So I'm like, yeah, lawyer, lawyer, lawyer. And dad was really supportive by that. He used to um, take me to like open court cases before school (laughs) and we would go and watch court cases. Anyway, life goes on. I'm in high school having a shit time and I'm like me just putting myself down. Like I'm not smart enough to be a lawyer. I don't want to be a lawyer. Drops out of high school, studies makeup. (laughs) Dad's like, okay, now my my daughter is a beauty school dropout. And so I think um, for him, he had a chip on his shoulder about that for a while but to be honest my creativity I was actually always quite good at writing and mum always backed me she's my number one fan and she would always say wow like I would read out my like little journal entries but honestly I just yeah I just really slogged it out in hospitality for a long time um 
I think that I think having parents that never studied or um I guess you know we didn't really see this like push to be like hey what career do you want to do or um you know it was never like an ATAR score thing um which meant you know in in ways um I've had to really relearn my belief systems around um being able to get the career you want or starting a business and that you can be successful um and also on the other end they were supportive of whatever we wanted to do like you know I wanted to be a makeup artist so like sweet and then I was like mm, no I don't want to do that I'm gonna be a barista like mm, okay sure and then I was like I'm gonna move away they're like okay and then all of a sudden I was a writer and it just developed and I think my parents started realizing my dad especially uh, that chip on his shoulder started dissolving when he was like actually she really backs herself and she can do this and we've given her the fundamental like values and principles and like now I can move away overseas and still work and thrive and you know my parents were never able to do that and they're like oh wow you don't actually have to do it the traditional way um so yeah I kind of forgot the question was but yeah the support has always been there yeah well that's amazing and I think it's interesting hearing about you from that as well because I'm similarly my parents aren't from an academic background um and I also like Looking back, so for me, I came from the Central Coast and then moved to ANU to study. And I, for a while there, I looked back because there was never any push for me to do any certain thing, except I was kind of pushed away from creative industry just because yeah. there was no utility there. Um, but moving to ANU, I always was like, oh, damn it. Like if I had had academic parents, imagine what I could have achieved because yes. they would have pushed me to do something incredible, even though I did something amazing that I'm yes. very proud of. Um, but yeah, looking back at it now, I think it's just like, it's, bu- it's a beautiful thing having the emotional space to grow and actually decide for yourself because 100%. moving to Melbourne, obviously we know so many people who come from very academic families or very well-off mm-hmm. families and they're pushed into a certain position and there are so many people who have very high and law degrees that go to no use because they've decided <laughs> to become a DJ. Literally. <laughs> and it's like, yes, like make music. That's what you want to do. Like yeah. fucking earth. Like I, and I'm absolutely not discrediting anyone that has, been to uni or gone down that path but the fact that like I don't have a hex debt behind my back and and it, now I'm at a point where I'm like okay I'm about to be 27 if I found something that I was passionate enough about I can now go to school and I know that or like university and I know that I will be wholeheartedly there whereas if I I feel like if I had gone out of high school gone straight into university I would have been like la 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 like you know just 100%. partying and just bullshit as someone who lived at college as well I can completely <laughs> attest to that because that's a big element of it mm. Um, yeah, and I guess I also just wanted to discuss like um, your aesthetics as well. So as we've said before, like I think you have a really incredible taste and a clear eye for design, which goes across like food, landscapes, fashion, and photography, um, which can be seen in like the high quality of your accounts and what you make. Um, do you think that this eye and this taste was influenced by external elements in your upbringing or within your family? Um, yeah, I actually think about this all the time because people always say to me like, where did you, like you must have grown up with like, incredibly tasteful parents or how did you learn to cook you you know you must have been in the kitchen all the time when you grew up and it's hilarious like so my mum my mum taught me everything to do with like presentation my mum was big on presentation yeah. like I would go to walk out the door to school and she'd be like um your tea bars look disgusting you go in there <laughs> and polish them and there I was with black polish and the scrubber polishing my shoes or like your shirt's not ironed iron it right now 
Um, and, you know, I used to, I remember being a little girl and being in the car and watching her drive along and putting her lip liner on in the mirror. And I was just like, oh, I can't wait to be a woman. <laughs> um, and on the other hand, my dad shops his clothes at Aldi. <laughs> so yeah. there's like, the there's, evils, oh my God, yeah. it's, it's hilarious. Um, which is nice because there's that polarity, which I think I've really adapted. It's like, I, uh, God, like, I don't mind being really thrifty and like, like good quality, beautiful things matter to me. And then they also don't matter to me. So I think I've really taken that on from both sides of my parents, but mum taught me everything there is about presentation and how you present yourself and being proud of who you are. Um, and for me, when I was really young, I think I took that on a little too much. I was very insecure and it was really about this. It came from a shallow place of like, I need to be a certain person in order to be accepted and in order to prove myself. And now it's like, I don't mind being anywhere without makeup. Whereas I never used to be able to leave the house without makeup, you know? Um, but in terms of my aesthetic and, and that aspect and also cooking like that developed for me once I started um, being exposed to different people. So growing up, I didn't have many friends or friends at all. And then I started traveling and obviously, you know, traveling opens up your eyes to so many things, but it was also just like the people that I started surrounding myself with. I would, I would just listen and watch and take everything. And, you know, I'd go to my friend's house and I'd be like, whoa, like what, where is that chair from? And they're like, Ikea. I'm like, what's Ikea? Like, you know, like I was <laughs> yeah. just like completely blissfully unaware, you yeah. know, um, because it, it wasn't a priority in my family. Like one, we didn't have money. And two, it was like, you know, same thing. It's like, we have love. That's all we need. Um, and so I, I used, I used to have very, uh, inexpensive taste, but I would always manage to fucking, to make it look good. Like mum, growing up, mum would always, always look amazing. And she'd be like, oh yeah, I got it at Target. Target. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> I grew up like that, you know, I'd like get a sick hit from Supre and I was like, yeah, babe, go for 30 bucks. And I really pr- <laughs> like pr- prided myself on that. But now obviously being exposed to, um, also just culture like in and respecting what's behind everything you know like for me my my um ideology around like dressing would just be like as long as it looks good it's fine but now it's like no no like what do i value like who am i giving my money to um how long am i going to have it for and you know this is just a little bit deeper now and you're same with furniture and things and just really really understanding the art behind it and knowing who the artist was or the intention behind it and being like, ah, I'm really proud to own that. Yes. Agree with that a hundred percent on the holistic perspective. Mm. I think it is so important and also so important in making you proud of your possessions as Mm. well as knowing where it came from. Yeah. Um, I wanted to actually go back a few steps and discuss, Mm. um, yeah, like it's very interesting hearing your mum and how she influenced your presentation. Do you think that that influenced you at all with like your body image or things like that? Mm. Oh, absolutely. And I think like, you know, just to preface it with, my mum was obviously doing the best that she could and she was only filtered down by her mother and, and et cetera. But um, I, you know, from a very young age, you know, I 
wanted to, you know, I just wanted to be a woman. I just wanted to start shaving and, you know, plucking my eyebrows and, you know, I was shaving my legs when I didn't even have hair. And um, I was very swept up in, um, and I say in quotations again, like being a woman. And um, I've written about it on my Instagram before about like, I was waiting for the day that I got my period. I was like, come on. It was like the gates of womanhood. Yeah. Whilst everyone else was like, oh, period, ew, I hate this. Um, she definitely, yeah, she definitely taught me um, how to dress and, and feel good. But it definitely, I think from a very young age, it just permeated this sense of um, insecurity because it was like I always had to uphold this level of presentation. And it's actually really beautiful because my mother and I have gone through this journey of like unraveling that together um, because of the journey that I went on from a young age of being like, whoa, wait, wait, what am I doing? Like I I need to, I'm just like uncomfortable all the time. Like I just want to like relax and stop feeling so insecure all the time. And then me going through that and having all these like revelations, I would share them with my mom and, and then teach her, be like, Hey, like I've, I noticed that in you, like, let's work on that. Um, and body image was a big thing. Like Byron actually, you know, it's, I feel like it's so typically about Byron changed my life, but it did. It, it really did. I had a community there that were like, just, just really allowed me to be who I was. And I started growing my body hair and I went through that phase, you know, yeah. I was like, yeah, I was like so staunch feminist. I was like, and then I, and then it kind of went the other way. I would start judging anyone that wanted to remove their hair. And I was like, whoa, wait, wait, like the definition of being woman is just being comfortable and not doing anything for anyone else. Cause at that stage I was like, I'm growing my hair for a point. It's like, but I should just do, yeah, is it for me? So now I feel like I have this really comfortable um, relationship with myself where I'm just like, what do I want to do? Yeah. What do I want to do? I want to shave my underarm hair today. Sweet. Might leave it for two months. I'm like, (laughs) don't care. Um, And I think that, yeah, that developed from just, again, being around different people, being uh, just open to, again, listening and just, I just, I've always been a very curious person. So I just, or like I'll listen to a conversation and then I'll go away and I'll just do some research or I'll, I'll dive headfirst into something and I'll just be like, well, I don't know how it's going to work out. And sometimes a little bit of naivety really helps me to be like, okay, I've experienced that. Now I get it. Yeah, definitely. And mm-hmm. I think I can definitely relate to that as well. Like the flicking of sides with mm-hmm. perspective on body image or a bunch of different things, because yeah. it's always the way when you come from a small town and you're exposed to oh. a new a new culture and you're like, just go, whoa, fully, yes. fully one way. But then you, as you get a bit older, I guess you find yourself and you find a middle ground because looking back at me, even like one or three years ago, I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. But it's yeah. important to acknowledge that you're always growing and there's always that change. 100%. I also think too, just like to quickly touch on, the fact that I know that so many people will uh, resonate with this, no matter your gender, when you're young, this whole wild world of like what we think people expect from us or what we think we should be is we're constantly, I don't think anyone has ever reached a point where they're like, I am super comfortable with myself every day, naked, not naked, whatever. It's an ongoing journey. But when you're young, like, you know, when you're becoming sexually active and it's just like, you know, porn is like your only educator. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, what don't I look like this. And then, you know, I grew up with a lot of toxic males, like a lot. Yes. And there were even moments where, you know, my brother and my dad were heavily influenced as toxic males. And then, you know, that came through 
to us women, you know, just being shunned for being on your period or being put down to certain things or having your cellulite spotted and being like, what is that? You know, just, and just constantly being in this like anxious realm of like who I am is not okay. And I think the biggest turning point was when I realized I'm going to be 70 one day and I'm going to be wrinkly and gray hair. And that is not the hallmark of um, like, that doesn't mean that you're not beautiful. That doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with that, but you're going to get to that point and you're going to look back at who you are now and be like, why did you waste so much time worrying about what you look like? A hundred percent. That is so valuable. I think for me, like anytime that you're struggling with something, if you think to yourself in 50 years, you are just like, oh Jesus, like get a grip. Literally get a grip doll. Like you're hot. Yeah. You're literally hot. We are all fucking hot right now. Exactly. And it isn't always about looks. There's so many different sides of it. Exactly. Yeah. And I think like that toxic masculinity and also like toxic fixation on visuals and this kind of thing. One, it is so endemic to like coastal cultures and smaller towns like Geelong and the Central Coast. But I think that something I've noticed, I don't know about you, that's really beautiful is like, interestingly, with the rise of mass culture, like Instagram and TikTok, it's actually kind of breaking down a bit because Mm. people are being able to, while it's also sharing, you know, bad images in a way, women and other people are able to share their strength. And like, yes, yeah, Yeah. it's a beautiful thing. Like even just going back home and seeing like, so much more of an acceptance of queer culture yes. like even even just from five years ago it's oh, crazy it's amazing yeah. i know in what in some ways it does feel like the world's taking a million steps back but in other ways like seeing oh do you know what blows my mind is like seeing high school kids right when i was in high school you walked around and you, like you just got your tits so you were like you know tits out little tiny like skimpy tops and short and everything was really like sexualized and you had to yeah everything was just sex 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 and now it's like you know, these girls, obviously, because they're so influenced by Instagram and I just, I just like, it takes me back to being young and I, I look at them there in these big baggy hoodies and big like flare pants. I'm like, oh my God, you look so comfortable and so happy. <laughs> like I wish, I wish that was just so much more accepted when I was their age, you know? Yeah. So that makes me happy. Yeah, it's a beautiful shift. It's mm. yeah, I think it's an exciting slash terrifying future on a couple yes, of different fronts. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and so I guess I wanted to look at your age. Now now you're twenty seven and like you're at a point in your career where you have a pretty large, a pretty strong fan base and you have a great career diversity. Um, how do you think that your age and experience has changed your perspective on yourself and on your work as time's gone on? Mm. Yeah, this is a good one. Uh my age, I think I think honestly, the older that you get, the more that you realize, like you start getting more confidence in yourself and you also start understanding like worth because, you know, you, you have a lot of experiences where you get taken advantage of and Definitely. maybe sometimes you take advantage of other people. And then when it comes back to you in return, you learn these lessons where you're like, whoa, okay, that was, you know, these really pivotal lessons where you're like, whoa, okay, I'm not standing for that anymore. And once you start understanding worth, you understand like, this is my value and it's not worth um, taking on this job that is going to get me more exposure when I already have exposure and I'm doing work for free for them and they're going to earn so much money. Like not that it's always about money, but if you do want to get to this goal or if there is something that you are chasing, just becoming older and having another year and another year of um, experiencing yourself in the world and how like this push pull of like, of the things that you bring into your life by placing value in yourself. Like 
I've just gone really deep on this um, like manifestation and and you can manifest whatever you want. You can have a big board and be like, I want money, yes. success, blah, blah, blah. But if you aren't, if your belief system isn't like revolved around um, positively bringing those things in, or if you don't surround yourself with those things, you're not going to bring them in. So if you say like, okay, I want to be um, the chief editor for this magazine, but you keep taking on free work for these small columns because you're only going to keep bringing in the people that want it get you in for free yeah you know you're not placing value on something that you that you want to get to and you're not placing value on yourself yeah and i guess yeah i guess that's what you're getting at maybe like backing yourself enough to have the faith that you can achieve that and also because yeah because when you stand up for yourself and stand up for your values people really recognize that oh they love it yeah i think it's also like kind of a bit of a test like i have literally been offered a job where i'm like oh i really want this and then I'm kind of like, oh, I've done so much free work. And I just take the, like, I think, okay, if I pitch to them, like, hey, look, yes, I can do it, but I'm, these are my rates. Yeah. They might shut me down and I won't get the job. But then is it worth me just saying yes to the free job when maybe, you know, like you, you never know if you don't ask. Maybe exactly. if I do pitch to them, they say, yes, boom, I just got a paid job. A hundred And they respect me for that. And that's happened. They go really, really respect, you know, that you place value in your work. Like, absolutely. And, you know, there's always room to negotiate. Like when you – I think also it makes you accountable. When you're doing free work, you never work as hard when you're getting paid for it. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Exactly. And I think, yeah, that's it. Because at the end of the day, just like you're looking after yourself in saying your worth is, people who are offering you jobs are looking after themselves as well. And exactly. they are going to take it as far as they can always. Exactly. So, yeah, backing yourself is very important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great. Um. Yeah, I guess like I wanted to talk a bit more about Instagram and because your Instagram has a big following and there's a lot, it's interesting. I guess a lot of people in the city of Melbourne also have big followings, but what yours has that other people's doesn't is actual meaningful interactions. Like mm. you seem like you've built a really strong community around it. Um, and yeah, so I think as an outsider, I just wanted to ask how you think like you've mastered social media and what kind of impact this has had on your mental health or how you protect your mental health while spending so much time mm. on the apps. That's a great question. Um, Oh, full transparency. Like, you know, I am always on my phone and we are all always on our phone. I used to really judge a lot of people who being like, oh, you know, like their life mustn't be meaningful because they're always on their phone. And then I was like looking at myself, I'm like, wait, if I'm taking in their content all the time and knowing that they're always on their phone, that means I'm always on my phone. (laughs) So like it's, like you just can't I don't know I am always on my phone it is my job um I think the way that I keep in check with my mental health on on Instagram is like being honest with myself if I'm scrolling and I'm looking at people that I feel are better than me or whatever I will I will openly say to whoever I'm sitting next to or like I will call someone and I'll be like hey like oh my God, this person, I'm looking through the person and I'm feeling this way and I talk about it and I'm like, yeah. this is how I feel. Instead of being, instead of throwing my phone away and being like, bah, bah, Instagram, I hate it. Yeah. Because I used to have a very volatile relationship with it and being like, oh, like I hate it and I love it, I hate it. It's like, it's actually a really beautiful platform. I have educated myself on so many things because of it. I have been able to help brands become successful because of my platform. I've been able to, um, share information. I've been able to make money. Like there are so many positive things 
And just like life, there are always going to be negative aspects to anything. There's also pros and cons to any job. The person that serves you at Coles has pros and cons to their job, just like I have pros and cons of being on Instagram yeah. all the time. A job is a job, you know? Um, but I also, I follow people that make me feel good and brands that make me feel good and um, the things that inspire me. Yeah. I, I feel like um, it's really important to, I don't know. I just think I never, I never look at like, who's been following me, who's been liking me. That's never been something that I've ever done. And when I found out that like people do that, no judgment, but it's like, I just straight away went, oh, if I start doing that, I'm going through a rabbit hole. That is the stuff that sends you. That is what the doom scrolling is. Yeah. I'm just like, no, no, I'm just not for me. Cause I know I will get fixated. Not for me. Um, But I think it's just, I really like to actually ask the people around me. Like I would say to my boyfriend, like, like I'll be on my phone and I'll, I'll all of a sudden come here and I'll put it away. I'm like, I'm really sorry. That was unnecessary for me to be on my phone. And just acknowledging that, that means that you're thinking about it. And he will be like, oh, babe, it's fine. Like, thank you, but it was fine. Yeah. So I think just the reality of it is that's just our life now is our phones. And and it's quite powerful that you can run an entire brand or business from your phone. Um, but yeah, I think just like really recognizing when you have those moments of being like, oh, like, oh, I don't feel good. Like say it out loud. Even if yeah. you're in your bedroom, just be like, oh, this is making me feel good. And go back to something that does. Go to an art account or like whatever. Or read the news. Read the or news. Yeah. yeah. Anything. Drag a podcast on or like do anything else. Exactly. And I guess it's interesting. Well, it shouldn't even be a surprise, but it's interesting for, to hear from you to someone who like seems to have also like great following, beautiful relationship with Instagram that even you get fixated. So I oh. think it's so important to acknowledge <laughs> that no one is susceptible to it. Um, yeah. Even just like for the past few weeks, I've had a really difficult relationship with Instagram, which I've res- resolved now, but just getting completely fixated on individuals mm. and you are letting it just dominate your mental health. And a friend said to me, he was like, why are you so worried about their achievements when you've never even tried to do that? You don't even <laughs> know what, what you could achieve if you had just done it. And that's the thing. I think it really... Yeah, it can be easy to get caught up, but good to yeah. hold yourself to account. Yeah, 100%. Well, once again, shifting changes a little bit. Um, and I guess I'm talking about your current privilege in the sense that your position as someone who's very across social media and an influencer comes with a lot of visibility, social capital and perks. Uh, it also comes with a lot of scrutiny, mm. um, which I think you've kind of made your peace with by the sounds of it. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to ask, like, how do you use your privilege and platform for good? And how do you think that these initiatives are shaped by your own lived experience? Mm. Yeah. So, okay. So this is my, this is also my number one thing is, okay. I've incredibly like fortunately stumbled into having a big following. Um, and for me that, that I feel like I have, um, I have a responsibility because I have influence and I think people don't take it lightly when they have influence on people. That is a complete responsibility. I almost feel like a duty of care. It's like, okay, I have young people following me. I have older people following me. I have so many different walks of life following me. And once you realize like it was a little bit surreal and scary when you realize like people care, like really care about everything you say on there. Then people take it take a little inch and they take an entire mile and part of me is like 
you're, you're a viewer. That's your own responsibility on how you take things. Um, we can't always attack the influencer. But at the same time, yeah, I feel a responsibility to um, influence people for the good. And if that means that I'm going to get scrutinized or lose followers or people are going to talk shit about me, that's fine. Um, but I think that, um, yeah, the privilege of being able to influence people is a privilege in itself. It means that what you say matters and people care about it. And so I guess that's like, that's like the biggest thing. And that just comes down to like the products that you're selling, the messages that you're putting out there, um, the people that you interact with, the people that you support, you know, you can have someone that's like banging on about sustainability or something and they're doing the opposite or someone that wants to be, you know, woke and, but then you look at who they're interacting and who they're supporting, you're like, well, that doesn't really add up. So, um, it's also a bit of a, it's, I wouldn't say it's like a sacrifice, but like you, you do also really have to open yourself up to, to knowing that like your life is out there, you know, yeah. you're on show. Yeah. And, um, I have this really strong thing that it's like, okay, let's be real, Mon, you're an influencer. You're always putting things online. You're putting your whole day on your story. And I just think what I choose to share needs to be transparent. I don't think that you have to share your whole life. I don't owe anyone that. But I am putting on what I want to put on. So what I put on needs to be honest and transparent. That's why like like a couple of months ago, or was last year, um, I was like talking about this beauty brand, blah, blah. And then I was like, wait, what the fuck? Like I get Botox. Why have I not told anyone that I get Botox? Yeah. Like, not that anyone needs to know, but here I am being like, yeah, use this cream. I love it, which I love the cream. But I was like, I have a face full of Botox. Yeah. I'm going to talk about that. Yeah. And people appreciated that because it's like, you know, on one hand, it's like, I don't owe anyone shit. They don't need to know what I do. But it's also like, well, they do if I'm going to tell them to buy this cream. Yeah. And to be making content that you're proud to share and to know that you're doing it honestly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah, and I guess like in the sense of what you're doing with your visibility as well, I f- first of all, I kind of wanted to applaud you because you've definitely had a few times where you've done like, you know, just videos from the car about your mental health and you've been open about struggling with mental health issues, which I think is a really beautiful thing and something incredibly refreshing on Instagram because mm. it's not really something that's often shared. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think also, so I just wanted to ask, like something that I've seen on your Instagram for the past few years about the Elephant Room doco. Could mm. you tell us a little bit more about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um so just to go back on the mental health thing, I, yeah, that's another thing is I think also the biggest part of having uh, a following is, is connecting with people. And I just, I love sharing my experiences because it, I know like it is a lie to think that no one else goes through what you go through. We all go through it, especially in this day and age of your phone being your heartbeat. Like yeah. we are all going through something and, I guess I, I guess I want to share the information that I never get to receive on, on Instagram or like that I never, that I, I just want to give the content that I wish that I could access. Yeah. And for me, I have been able to be a big support network for a lot of people, a lot of strangers that were going through the same thing, you know, and I, and as much as it's a big responsibility, I do reply to almost every message that I get because 
I wish I had that. You know, I wish I was listening to an influencer be like, I just came off my antidepressants and this is what I'm going through and me message them and then be like, hey, like, let's chat about it. Um, I probably take that on a little bit too much, but I like being support. I I like to be support for people. Um, But as for the Elephant Room doco, um, that's been a huge personal journey. Um, I am sharing my story um, of rape. Um, and it happened what 11 years ago and it was, it's a story about basically how I was, um, manipulated. Uh, I woke up and realized that I'd been raped. That's how I lost my virginity. Um, and then I went to school the next day and it had been filmed and it basically spread like wildfire. It went over the borders. It went everywhere. Um, thousands and thousands and thousands of people saw it. Um, it basically, it just, it ruined my life. Um, I got severely bullied through school. Um, people liked to make up lots of stories about lots of different versions. Um, no one actually ever listened to my story. No one knew that I had been raped. Um, and then I had no idea it was being filmed anyway. Um, that being shared on social media has been a big journey because I haven't actually spoken about it ever. So for me to know that's going to be a documentary series, but then also share it on my platform. I, there was part of me that's like, why am I doing this? And I'm like, why aren't I doing this? Like, this is important. Like this is real life shit. And for me to openly share that and be vulnerable is going to create so many people to go, holy shit, that happened to me. That's my story. I'm allowed to talk about it. I'm allowed to take up space. Um, I'm allowed to feel it through. So yeah, without I'm also trying to be respectful of other people's experiences and try not to trigger people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, Mon, I'm so sorry about that as well. Um, that's terrible. And I also just want to say, like, I can say from personal experience, that's something that's going to be incredibly valuable to a massive amount of people. Mm. Yeah. You sharing that because that is not an isolated experience by any incident in yeah. any instance at yeah. all, like you've mm. said. So mm. yeah, it's something to really be proud of. And also, mm. yeah, you're a, um, yeah, an incredible person. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess getting a bit deeper, I think, well, we've just gone through this question in a sense, but in personally, what do you think your biggest challenges in biggest challenges have been in shaping a life that you can be proud of? Oh, oh so much. I think the biggest one is believing. Oh, it sounds so typical, but like not just believing in yourself, but believing that what you want to do is achievable. Like you can do it and you can do it because you are privileged. And I understand that there may be people that listen to this and they don't feel that they resonate with the privileged life. And I completely understand that. But for me talking from where I am, um, I think about this all the time, you know, like I am able to leverage off like a free platform essentially because I am privileged and I know that um, I can trust in getting to where I want to be because of my privilege. Like, and you know what? That's why I'm doing it. I'm taking advantage of my privilege. I'm working three to four jobs all at once. And I'm trying to um, make my own successful business because I'm like, okay, I have this privilege. I'm going to actually do something with it. There are people that will never leave their hometown in their life. They'll never see like, my year salary in their entire life you know yeah and that's not a flex that's just like fuck that do something with that then mon you know yeah yeah um, exactly. make those people proud like be like 
I know that you would want to do this. I'm going to do it. They're like, and I understand that not everyone has that frame of mind. And I, I don't want to put down people that, you know, maybe they're, they're just cruising through life. They feel really content just doing what they're doing. That's great. But for me, I'm like, cool. Like, what more can I do? What more skills can I have under my belt? How can I, how can I like have an impact on people? And how can like people and the world and my experience have an impact on me? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a great thing. And I think I can definitely empathize with that experience in a few ways. And clearly the way I always describe it, you're a very hungry person. And I think to all the people listening out there, I just want to say, if you feel hungry as well to, yeah, really just chase that and follow it because you will find incredible purpose in what you're doing you know just like starting this show has been for me Mm. the first time i've ever really tasted and gone to do it and it's yeah you will be shocked by what you find exactly and it's always like i i remember just one day i can't remember who gave me like the kick out the butt but i'm just like you realize that like what you want isn't just going to happen like you have to do it like you can't just sit around and be like i really want this thing but like you know that brand hasn't contacted me it's like you need to do it like you need to like show up and start doing it and you know what if it doesn't start if it doesn't work or you're not feeling like it's aligning with you that's fine stop don't put any more pressure on yourself do the next thing and like fully just trust the process but also like don't it's such a fine line of being like no i trust it and actually just like putting in the work because you have to action a lot of shit to get where you want to be definitely a hundred percent And so you've like, clearly you've crafted an incredible life and a career surrounded by both local trailblazers and you're continuing to strive for more. You're moving to Indonesia on Tuesday. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Yeah. Do you feel proud of these achievements? I'm incredibly proud of myself. I like, I think I've really gotten past the the stage of being like, you know, really like kind of dulling myself. And uh, like, I think you can be very humble and very proud of yourself. I'm fucking stoked of where I am. I feel very comfortable with who I am. I feel comfortable like where I'm going. And I'm also like, I also have no idea what I'm doing and I have no idea where I'm going to be. So that's fine. Um, And it's given me, I I also, I have to really credit the people in my life right now. Um, My old housemate, Ali has been like the single, like the single handedly has taught me like you can do anything like literally. And I was just like, wait, but I know that, but like, can I? And she's been like, yes, do it. And I have. And having those, like, that's another thing. I just want everyone that's listening to to realize that like, if you're trying to get somewhere or do something or be someone, you really need to check the people that are in your life. If that person, like, is taking your energy or not supporting you or there's you feel that there's this jealousy or you just feel like they can't celebrate you, they're not meant to be in your life. And also check yourself. If you don't know how to celebrate a friend or be happy for them, or you have these feelings of jealousy, which do come up and comparison, it all comes up. We're all humans. It happens. But like constantly check who's surround, who's surrounding you. Like, and that's also a reflection of who you are. So it's, it's a whole thing. Your life, every, every aspect of your life um, reflects itself. And also it, it will change and, it will change different aspects of your life too. So you have to make sure that like you're always constantly working on all that, all the areas so that they all work harmoniously and then you can get to your goal. 
Exactly. Mm. And yeah, you, you have to do that and you have to look around you and look at things mm. holistically. And also, I think it's important to acknowledge that it's not easy. What you've done hasn't been easy and it mm. continues. I can see within <laughs> you that you're very, working very hard and you're striving mm. for something incredible, yeah. which is a beautiful thing. So yeah. I just want to congratulate you on that. Thank and say you. Thank you so thank much you for so much. having the time to come on. Oh, yeah. always. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's hard. That's another thing. It's hard work. Don't expect to get to where you want to be without doing hard work. Yeah. amazing well yeah Mon thank you so much for coming on the show and having a chat with me um yeah was there anything else you wanted to discuss before you sign off um no or just for people to um I think the biggest thing also just to add is that is judgment is like to remove judgment and replace it with curiosity if you're judging yourself replace that with being curious about what where that judgment's coming from and if you're going to judge someone else replace it with being curious for them or with them instead and that will just move you so much further in life beautiful yeah and such a beautiful positive it just it's so important to re-engage your thought process from some, something negative to something positive and mm. just see how you can uplift and understand mm-hmm. rather than condemn yeah 100 percent. yeah amazing well thank you so much Mom. no worries darling thanks for having me thank you <laughs>